Trevor Alfred and Timo Nebraska from Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Not expressly in lieu of managing editor Dave Cameron, but kinda in lieu of managing editor Dave Cameron is contributor to Fangraphs.com, Jeff Sullivan. In the conversation that follows Sullivan and I discuss matters various and sundry, including but not limited to Matt Shoemaker, pitch framing, which should not come as a shock. Uh, also, for the benefit of the listener, uh, Jeff Sullivan summarizes almost the entirety of his life in three seconds. Sleep and then write and write and sleep and write and go to bed and uh, wake up and write and write and write. It's Fangraphs Audio. It features Fangraphs' Jeff Sullivan, and it begins right now. Was a uh, um, well, people won't know this, but I'll say it. I'll say it. When I emailed you, <clears throat> say, "Hey, we uh, ready to maybe talk in ten minutes?" And you said, "How about ten ten more minutes than those ten minutes?" Because I'm eating a meal, mm. and I thought, you know, where my mind went. So I'm just crazy like this. It went to this, like in People magazine or Us magazine, pictures of celebrities performing acts that we typically associate just with everyday folks taking the trash out walking the dog mm-hmm. going to yoga you know it's like cele- celebrities they're just like us and then i thought oh jeff sullivan he's just like us he eats meals but unlike you i eat meals apparently at 3:30 in the afternoon and and what you didn't know is i was just eating quail i just i was cool. i got them a little quail yeah, I got some quail. Not not a quail. No, some some quail. I'd describe it as like a quail salad. Okay. Wait, is it yeah. really? Are you eating quail? Who eats quail? Well, I guess a lot of people eat quail. No, I'm not eating quail. It was. It was, a, about, it was uh, other. It was other fowl or chicken fowl. Chicken or fowl. Chicken or fowl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it depends. I don't know if you <laughs> like them or not. But the um uh, no no here's a food uh, in addition to quail. If you want to um, give others the impression that you are an aristocrat. Mm. Um, Inform him that you will be eating, having quince paste with your meal. Oh, yeah. I was, I've always wondered how that was pronounced. Quince paste. Yeah. 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 I think as an indicator of that being above my level, I didn't know how it was pronounced, much less I have never heard it. What would you have said? Quince? I would, I would have been not sure because, yeah, the Spanish in me would be like, oh, quince. Oh, of the, course. This, the Spanish in Je- The Spanish in Jeff Sullivan. The Spanish I've learned. Jefe, Jefe Sullivan. Hefrin actually is apparently the Spanish word for he- uh, for Jeffrey, but Jeffrey. I like Hefe because it's it's much more authoritative. Right, 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 right. Oh. Yeah, I was actually uh, wondering this. So you may or may not be aware, but I'll tell you now, Jeff Sullivan, that my wife hmm. and I are currently living on a the campus of a boarding school in New Hampshire. Okay, do they know that? Does who know? Yes, they do. Yes, in fact, I've had a background checked, okay, and I got I got a C, but it's passing, <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. Um, no, but the um, so here's the thing. My, my wife is a French teacher at this school, and or she's about to be a French teacher. And she was ordering – she was looking at posters, uh, sort of these nicely designed posters by a French designer. And one of them, it says in French, it says, I love it when you call me Big Poppy. Um, hmm. And so – but she said – she asked me, and I was not – I did not know the answer. But she asked me, would students – some of whom are born as recently as the year 2000, 
would they know to what song that was a reference? Or would they know to what anything it was a reference? Uh, currently, I'm struggling to figure out what it's a reference to. Oh, and I was a, born much more much yeah, much, earlier. Much more earlier. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's a Notorious B.I.G. song. Okay, that's what B- I that's what I, I thought, but yeah. I wasn't sure. Notorious B.I.G., oh. although, a.k.a. Biggie Smalls, Big Papa. No. Yeah, he's dead. He is dead. In fact, he Alleg- died. Allegedly. He died uh, in uh, apparently in 1997, mm-hmm. which means that anyone who's even as old as 16 now, or 17 maybe, would have been born after he he was assassinated. Yeah, That's right. I said assassinated. It wouldn't have been notorious to them at all. Here's here's what happens if you plug some of that into Google. If you start typing it out, just to you know, this is because I was trying to figure out the reference. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and the first result, if you uh, if you type in "I love it when you call me Big P blank," is "I love it when you call me Big Pasta." <laughs> it must be a commonly misunderstood word. Yeah. In the in the verse of the chorus. Or maybe it's a. Is there a Weird Al song? Do we know? I. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he no, was there's only, a T-shirt. Yeah, there's a T-shirt. Uh, he was only 24. He was only 24 when he uh, when he died. That's that's a lot younger than I would have thought. He he made a uh, quite an impact uh, before uh, before he died. It's uh, it's uh, always frustrating those people who um, create such a uh, become so notable at such a young age. Notorious, one might say. Yeah, they become notorious. Well, I don't know. He might have given himself that name, although it requires a certain ma- sort of Courage. Some might say guillons. You might have to have a large <laughs> pair of guillons in order to just call yourself the notorious B.I.G. I, uh, how old was Tupac? I don't know. Okay. Well, I think he was older than 24, but I guess you could... Some people might argue that 24 is one of those last years where you actually feel alive, so it, it wouldn't be yes, the worst thing you, to go out. I'm glad you top. mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. And that is not a thing I necessarily expected growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just you. There's a certain threshold you cross, and it's not. I mean, listen, I'm I'm only 34. There are people who are certainly older than me and who are much more entitled to being um, exhausted by the world. <laughs> but I will say that as young as 34, certainly, and I would say even a little bit younger, you just like, oh, I spent all that time learning about, like, you know, acquainting myself with the world, learning about new things, and I thought it was inexhaustible i thought that i would that pace i would maintain that pace for the duration of my life but you do begin to um and i in some ways is a testament to the power of the human brain you begin to see patterns um but the the problem with that is you're like um you know you're not trying to solve a problem you know that's not what you're doing you you're trying to stay you're trying to keep a flicker of interest alive so that you don't uh, feel like walking into the ocean and never returning. Yeah, it, that would be... Well, the, the problem with the, the most forms of suicide is that when you are performing them, presuming you were not an experienced suicide could self-submitter, suicider, yeah, yeah, yeah. suicider yeah. yeah, is that then in, Suicidista? in that moment... Suicidista? That Suicidista. The, that's the Spanish yeah. in you talking, I assume. Yeah. That's good. It's, it's a badass, except that if you're an experienced suicidista, that means that you failed all but at least one, at most one time. So, uh, you, well, so you, you're committing, you're performing it. I don't know what the appropriate verb is for when you're killing yourself. And in that instant, in one of those final moments is when you realize, oh, this is a change. 
yeah, this the routine. Is this yeah. is I feel different now. I yeah. feel like I'm I'm alert to things because I am uh, I'm doing something I haven't done before. Right, right, right. But you don't that, you don't really get to spend a lot of time with that feeling. No, you don't. I I personally I don't spend a lot of time almost killing myself. And if I did, then it would I would grow weary of it as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, would yeah, that, well, what I drew, that would be the hugest bummer. I think it just. Growing tired of offing yourself, then you, you just, like, you're not even, even your own, it's not even your own mortality that you, to which you've become so accustomed as to be tired of it, but like, the, not just the, the idea generally of mortality, but the instant of mortality, that moment at which you cross over, even that is just, uh, whatever. You're just like, yeah. yeah. If you're bored by the life you live and also trying to, to leave it, then the, you are, you are the most trapped I think any individual would be because would, there's always yeah. that door, but then if somebody puts the chain on the lock, then yeah. Yeah. you're just, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Take that jump, Paul Sart. Am I right? Yeah, I am. I have right. an agreement with Carson. I validate your, your remark, your quip. Yeah. Uh, when I think, uh, that seems the key to a key, I shouldn't say the key, a key, to living a, a decently, decently fulfilling life beyond the years at which you uh, you cease to be meaningful, which is about 24, 25, is that you need <laughs> things, almost all things, to be consistently unpredictable. Not like all the time. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to get in a relationship with somebody who's just like literally unpredictable. You don't in, want in tumult. Every way. You're saying you don't want tumult. Uh, no. That's what uh, you're no, saying. I, you, that's exactly what you're saying. I've never once wished. For tumult, okay. Uh, so you don't... using using that word, but I think you every you try to you establish routines for yourself, and everybody establishes routines for themselves. But if you think about maybe maybe not for you, I don't know your social uh, characteristics. But it's exciting; it can be invigorating to meet a new person, regardless of whether or not you have a lot in common with that person—friend, romantic, whatever—just a person. And then you you meet the person, and you you strike up a conversation, and you just you learn. New things, unpredictable things, because you haven't established that person has not established patterns of behavior and uh, personality uh, in in your own mind. And then over time, you grow more familiar with the person. Then you realize, oh, you're not that interesting anymore because I already know I can see two steps ahead of <laughs> of what you're going to do. So you just grow weary, and then that applies to so so many things. And currently, I would say I don't know if this is the case for you, but it's the the constant challenge. With writing on fangraphs and writing about baseball is trying to find new ways to talk about the same game. It, it changes, but does it change? And uh, and constantly trying to stay ahead of, uh, you know, the uh, the imitators. Mm-hmm. One might say the haters. Oh, the haters! So, uh, yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta stay a step ahead. Stay of the ahead haters. of uh, popular American comedian Bill Hader. Yeah, you well, you should maybe if you could stand by his side. Stand by would, him, yeah. You know, have a conversation, and then for the first few conversations, that would be invigorating. Tell you like, oh, now I know Bill Hader. He's just a guy. He's like everybody else. He takes out the trash. He eats meals. Oh yeah, they're just like it's, us celebrities. Yeah, he's quince paste though. I was actually uh, dovetailing nicely, and I've actually never, I never spent a lot of time with the dove's tail, but I think this dove. It's the best part of the dove. <laughs> Um, which is different with a quail, though, because a quail they they have other interesting aspects. But with a dove, you want to focus on the tail. Yeah. Um, oh, I was actually composing before we uh, before we started talking. I was composing. I was I was constructing a taxonomy of Jeff Sullivan posts. Interesting. Uh, because so like because I was looking at your post from last week, I thought, oh God, what are we going to talk about? That's what I said to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I already know this guy too much. 
going to be, I mean, not as bad as talking with my wife, but pretty close, you know. What could be? Yeah. Boo. Yeah. All right. Um, talking colors. Yeah. So, so there's the, so there, so I was constructing a text. I didn't get very far. And maybe this, maybe this is as far as one needs to get. But uh, in the last week, um, there were some, so yeah, there were some themes in your writing. So, for example, a post you wrote, I believe you published today over at Fox, and it's cross-posted at, the, at Fangrass. Uh, concerns uh, Jonathan Lucroy, his case for most valuable player in the National League, um, for which our colleague, for which award our colleague um, Dave Cameron will be voting, and that it was a lot of that has to do, not all of it, but a lot of it has to do with pitch framing. So the pitch, I was going to say, I think I, one of the sorts of Jeff Sullivan posts you see is the pitch framing post. Is it true or false, Jeff? That is that is true. That is true. Um, you might be the league leader in pitch framing posts. Well, when you frame it that way. Oh, boo. Oh, hey. <laughs> I might be, but only because Ben Lindbergh writes less frequently, but That's it's true. greater length. Greater length, yeah. Uh, uh, there was also the um, there is the let's watch variety of posts. That <laughs> I think that's a newer development for you, but you've you've gone back to that particular well a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's watch. In the most recent case, was Araldus Chapman versus Javier Baez, which is amazing. Which is great, yeah. That's, I think that's actually, sure, that's amazing. And I think that that's that's a and actually it worked out almost perfectly, right? Because like Baez, so Chapman threw the fastball on that particular count, and Baez hit it basically as far as you could without hitting a home run. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that's one that sort of keeps. That's one you could go back to pretty easily because while the form is the same, you're going to be dealing with new content all the time. Mm-hmm. Right, and so yeah, sure. Aroldis Chapman throws so hard. Has struck out over 50, what, 55, I think now, percent of the batters he's faced. <laughs> it's just, it's stupid what right. he's doing. Now, a couple, I was checking this out. A couple years ago, Kimbrell, was, was he the first guy to break 50? I believe he was. Okay, yeah. And it was like by one strikeout, wasn't it? Yeah, he it was is like almost exactly. Yeah, right, right. Um, but it appears, it, it seems unlikely that Chapman would not, would not, uh, match or surpass Kimbrell's, Kimbrell's number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this year. Uh, but so that's a lot of fun. And then the third one, oh yeah, we did uh, Christian Yelich mm-hmm. uh, last week. Uh, something that Christian Yelich has never done. Which yeah, that's, I think, the, that's the fun fact variety. Right, right, right. And it, I and also it concerns the pop up in particular. Mm-hmm. And you've done some work with pop ups, I believe, because there's definitely Joe. You you've been the one I think to write mostly about Joey Votto's uh, pop ups or lack thereof. Uh-huh. True. Uh huh. Okay. Yes. Um. I don't know, and that's those are the only three I came up with. But I was wondering, do you have any to add to the text? Well, you have the you have your uh, formerly weekly, now monthly post, which is of course the weeks, uh, the worst months, worst yeah. worlds, worst of the best, best of the yeah, worst. Yes, so as soon as we're done with this, then I'm going to start doing that for August, and that's that's a lot of work. But <laughs> then I'm going to find yeah. August's worst pitches and uh, and then put them up with too many words that are hard to come up with, and uh, yeah, and then move on, and then and then write a very similar post about swings. And then move on and write about something else, and then sleep, and then write and write and sleep and write, and go to bed, yeah, and uh, wake up and write and write and write. There you go. Ooh, okay, so, so you did that. Yeah. Uh, so what's another? What's another one though? Do, do you think if there's like a uh, if you're thinking like a go to in particular? Well, how about this situation? And this might be a daily situation. Uh, Dave Cameron um, and and probably even more importantly, Dave Appleman expects you to write two posts in a particular day. <laughs> This counts as one, by the way. I'm using this as a post. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably have it up tonight, which is Wednesday night, but it might be up Thursday. I'm sorry. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah, you don't care. You're counting this as one post. 
The <laughs> so you might have three tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's because I only had one on Tuesday. There's a chat. Oh wow, got out of that one, didn't you? I'm um, but so what's up. like so so say you enter a day, um, and you say, oh, I don't have any immediate ideas. What is yep. the, what is your practice? Do you have a because we've talked about it, there's the let's watch variety, mm-hmm. there's the pitch framing variety. Do you have any other sort of go tos? You could say, oh, I could probably probably work on that. Uh, if I'm if I'm good about it, I'll have a little list of of almost evergreen ideas not necessarily evergreen but just sort of little things like fun facts or or theories and it's really helpful to go into the day with ideas for what you're going to write about but last week i thought was a good week i felt pretty good Mm -hmm. about the ideas and the execution then this week like after going away all weekend being completely off the grid trying to catch up on monday and it's just i i am not with it yet uh and so i'm i'm writing well below I am a believer in hot and cold streaks for writers, if not for the baseball players we write about. Mm-hmm. And I am currently—I would say that I'm in a slump. Uh, a slump. That Lucroy thing—that was like, honestly, I didn't have an idea. I needed to write something in about 75 minutes before I had a dinner engagement oh, yeah, yeah, at, uh, at my girlfriend's campus and uh, with, uh, with the campus president. And so we had. So that's a that's that's non-negotiable. Uh, that, yeah, that deadline would, there. That was yeah. That was basically. I need to get something done. I'm gonna be in no shape to write after this is done. Let's be honest with ourselves. And yeah. so I need to I need to get something finished. And what is easy? Well, I've written by Jonathan Lucroy a thousand times. Uh, the timing is not perfect for the post, but the important thing is that the post is done. It is not stupid, and it is up, and uh, and it yeah. fulfilled its obligation, as yeah. you would as you would say. Now, with regard to a player like Lucroy, or uh, let's say Jonathan Lucroy himself, <clears throat> do you say, with regard to your uh, thoughts and or feelings regarding him. Um, do you feel as though he's like your favorite player? Do you appreciate him because – is the joy you derive from him because he gives you a lot to think about in terms of what is valuable about baseball players? Or do you just enjoy that he exists so that um, <laughs> you have a sort of uh, at least a, you know one pretense upon which to write every so often? I've kind of liked him for a few years, like when he started to hit the first time, and then Pitchfemi Research came out, and I thought, oh, well, this is... Everybody was talking about Jose Molina, because, of course, it was Molina who had the craziest numbers, but then Lucroy just very quietly kind of was right there behind him, and he played more often, and he could hit. And so I kind of... I liked Lucroy when he seemed more underrated, mm-hmm. and now people, I think, are pretty well aware of him. Made the All-Star game, could get some down-ballot MVP votes this year. And I think people have a better understanding of how good he uh, he really is, but I think I'm most... Attracted to sort of the uh, just the baseball extremes, and I can't help it, like not hitting an infield pop-up or Chapman throwing 102 miles per hour, or Baez swinging the bat, or Billy Hamilton running the bases, just all these things. But then you get, at least I get into an idea rut where I have trouble thinking of, like, what are there are every day there are obvious stories, and I just don't see them because I'm so caught up in my own head and mm-hmm. looking for things that are weird and unknown. So I, I think. Uh, Mike Petrello and, of course, Dave do a good job of sort of hitting more topical, like, uh, this is what's going on right now. Let's talk about this kind of post. And then I struggle with it. And that's one of the reasons that every so often I'll need to email Dave and be like, hey, what's obvious? Because I can't really see it. And it's really helpful to every so often just have a post that you can sit and write without doing four hours of research. Right. Now, so I want to ask you a question. Um, you wrote about Matt Shoemaker last week. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful you did. Yeah, you uh, you have, as we've discussed and as David's discussed, you have an excellent track record with the people for whom you develop feelings. And it seems you developed feelings for Shoemaker in June. 
roughly? Uh, yeah, it might have been the case. I don't know. Actually, uh, it's yeah. I don't know. But yes, I started. I think there were, I actually might have done a post just to something mm-hmm. the effect of. I'm developing feelings for Matt Schumacher. Yeah, those are your words. Yeah, so they're not uh, they're not as strong as they as they were for Corey Kluber, but he he does he is that sort of pitcher. He doesn't have the like Kluber even last year had like like legitimate stuff, and his he throws that cut fastball at 91 miles per hour um, that is you know largely unhittable mm-hmm. or as unhittable as you know as pitchers get. But but you made a for a number of reasons I was excited about Schumacher, but you. You so um, you crystallized an idea that I would not have been able to, and that's that you looked uh, at Shoemaker's uh, repertoire, and then you found essentially the three most comparable pitchers, and they all have something shockingly in common. <laughs> <laughs> and what might that have been, Carson? Uh, they, like Matt Shoemaker, um, all have K's in their surname. Yeah. And, and they're is... Japanese. <laughs> they're all Japanese, yeah. Yeah, extremely Japanese, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as Japanese as it gets, I, guess, I suppose. Yeah. They, um, and you, 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 really exciting stuff to, to that, to, to that point because he really, he pitches like a Japanese pitcher. Yeah. He, he, it's just, it's so rare to see somebody who comes over and, or I shouldn't say come over because he didn't come over, he came up <laughs> and who just throws a splitter so often and there was the comparison like uh, when Ta- Tanaka was coming over for the first time and people were comparing him to like prime Dan Heron, it's exciting, first of all, because they're, you're crossing some boundaries there. And, and it's so rare, as people love to point out, that you see comparisons to players outside one's own ethnic group. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is that like when Ryan Vogelsong came back from Japan, he pitched a little more like a Japanese pitcher or with uh, Shoemaker. He's never been to, well, maybe he's been to Japan. He hasn't played baseball there for any organized <laughs> team, but he just to lead with a decent fastball, but also to lean on a splitter so heavily, that is a distinctly, I don't know, un-American doesn't seem like the right word, but it's, it's <laughs> McCarthy, uh, McCarthy is going to search non, him out. Yeah, yeah. Non-American would be a similar. Yeah, that's the difference between uninterested and disinterested, and I've never been able to keep them straight. But uh, Shoemaker's style is, I guess if you wanted to stay with the, the white and kind of her suit, then you would go with Dan Heron. But the split, like as so many American coaches discourage throwing the splitter because they think it's bad for you. Mm-hmm. And if it's bad for Shoemaker, then then so be it. But because he's thrown it this long and because he's been healthy and successful with it so far, he's gotten a shot in the major leagues. And maybe he wouldn't have the shot if it weren't for throwing the splitter so much. Right. Well, that's the other point, right, is is there's that sort of uh, – I don't know if this is the best example of game theory, but for him, uh, if – if his major league career is dependent upon him throwing a splitter, mm-hmm. then if that also means that it might shorten his career, he's probably willing to accept that particular gamble because he wouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you can either be a somewhat injury-prone major leaguer or you can be like a perfectly healthy pipe fitter, but I think he's probably going to be more content to be a major league pitcher. Right. It's harder, it's easier, no, no disrespect to pipe fitting, it's easier to fall back on, though. Mm-hmm. Um just probably the barrier of entry to the major leagues is higher than it is to pipe fitting, as it is as it is to blogging. In fact, the barrier of entry to blogging is zero. Um, so that's good for Matt Shoemaker. I guess he can fall back on that too. Um, and maybe he's bilingual. Who knows? Maybe he's uh, he might have a sort of um, Japanese ancestry we we don't know about. Well, I guess we missed the obvious fallback where he could just be a maker of shoes. 
He could be a, he could a, a Matt Cobbler. Yeah, Matt yeah. Cobbler, yeah. I wonder yeah. if there's been a Matt, or if there's, there's never been a Cobbler in Major League History, but there has been a Shoemaker. Right. Do you, okay, here's, here's a thing about which I was, about which I've been thinking, uh, not at length, but I, it occurred to me momentarily, um, because you wrote a post, so for some time, Felix Hernandez has looked like the prohibitive favorite for American League Cy Young. Mm. And a couple of things happened, but most notable among them was the fact that he, um, gave up four home runs in a game. Several home runs. Several he's home given runs. Up, including today now, he's allowed eight home runs in five games. Oh, oh, he's pitching right now. Oh, he already won. Oh, oh, he won. Yeah, he was good today. He but was he good today. He let another home run. Okay. Yeah, uh, I know he's good at that though. Right. Uh, and so, and so then, um, and again, as you point out, actually in the Lucroy article, as as we've pointed out multiple times, as multiple fangraphs writers have pointed out multiple times, one does not merely choose uh, the winner of an award by sorting by WAR. However, one can use WAR to get a sense of the group of eligible players for that mm-hmm. award. Um, but in this case, uh, that one start, that pushed uh, Felix Hernandez behind Corey Kluber in the um, in the war leaders for the, the FIP-based war. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had actually written, I think, well, within the last month, uh, something to the effect of how Corey Kluber could win the Cy Young Award or something like that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm cu- – and then, of course, Corey Kluber went out like the day or two after Felix Hernandez and gave up three home runs himself. Yeah. Uh, but I was actually thinking of the the chances of Matt Shoemaker winning the Cy Young. Hmm. Uh, because the thing, so one thing, not, and I think that the voting body has changed to some degree. But one thing that they do look at is wins. And do you know that Matt Shoemaker Matt Shoemaker is second in the American League in wins? I I did not know that, and I just wrote about him last week. I had no idea. Yeah, he is fourteen and four. He doesn't even show up on the first page of he's not qualified. war results. He's that not qualified sense. either. How many innings has he thrown? He's only thrown like a hundred. Uh, I, I could I could know this. You could. I could. We'll just let the listeners listen to us look up the number. Yeah. Why, why don't you be looking it up? I'm, I'm going to verify the fourteen win. Yes, he is second in in he's thrown one hundred seventeen innings total, mm-hmm. and he is second in wins. And he is playing – I'm just talking about some, some qualities that uh, to which the voters to be correct. He is playing for a team which will make the playoffs. He, is, ha, he has won like six straight decisions or something crazy like that, mm-hmm. which would also point – and it, it's sort of like um, this run has been simultaneous to the Angels like uh, definitively overtaking the A's in the American yeah. League West. My yeah, point, that thing is over. Is it over? I don't, are you joking? I mean, it's, no, at this point, it's like a five-game advantage, right, and okay, the Angels yeah. are really good. It's unlike it, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's actually won five straight decisions, and also like a, what, seven of his last eight or something like that. So, and, and so which suggests, oh, like he is a presence that has helped him overcome. Uh, and even with the team losing Garrett Richards, uh, he stepped up. A- and add to that that, or apart from that, but another consideration, he's actually been really good on a per inning basis in terms of mm-hmm. his, uh, you know, fielding independent stats. Yeah, yeah. I think here's the problem. Uh, remember John Lester? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's there. And he's actually, he's currently, so he started against Felix Hernandez today. And uh, updating through today, Felix Hernandez and John Lester are currently tied on the war leaderboard at yeah. 5.5. Felix has actually stepped back by, like, more than half of a win over the past few weeks because of all those home runs. Yeah. But... 
Uh, interestingly, it's uh, it's Felix and John Lester tied, mm-hmm. and then tied like two tenths of a win. So basically tied as well. Right behind them, Corey Kluber and one Phil Hughes. Oh yeah, which right. is uh, yeah, he's, Phil Hughes is basically like already paid for his contract. Right. With the Twins, because what was it like twenty one over three? Uh, I don't. I, why? No, that's the question I always ask Dave Cameron. I don't. <laughs> I don't even learn those things anymore. I just wait I'm for sorry, that, that, that pertains to Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it was 324, and he's already been worth more than $24 million. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I was wondering how the electorate or the voted, the votatariat, how they might uh, respond to Lester having been traded. Same thing with David Price, traded from non-contending teams to contending ones, especially since those teams took not, – not, not that it was related at all, but they took um, miserable nosedives as soon as those top pitchers <laughs> were acquired. I'm not convinced that uh, wins and uh, team success matters so much for the Cy Young as it does for the MVP. Oh, and okay. so, yeah. uh, and Lester, I think, is he's been fine for the A's since he got traded. And his, yeah, he's, he's sitting. Yeah, I'm not, not going to look it up at all, but that would be interesting to see the degree to which uh, the MVP comes from a playoff contending team relative to how often the Cy Young Award winner comes from a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not again. Not going to put in put in that work. But if someone like Jeff Sullivan, who's forced to write two posts per day, <laughs> and is a, and is a hungry for um, you know topics, I can't begin to explain to you how uninterested I am in pursuing that information. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. <laughs> Listen, a uh, I am playing basketball with some other dudes uh, in mm. one minute. One minute. Yeah, one minute. Are you playing right there? Oh, okay. I'm going to leave my house in one minute. Okay. Do you want a podcast while you play? <laughs> no, like no, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'll and give you tips. Are you Go good? At, are you good at basketball? I probably can give you better tips than your brain can. Go left. Go right. Mix it up. Go right again. Game theory. Game theory. You have to have the ball, and you have to be able to dribble around the player. If you were saying that in the voice of Ricky Gervais as David Brent on The Office, that would also work. Yeah. Game theory. Go left. Then go left again. In it. <laughs> Listen, Jeff, it's been a real. I'm pleasure. not going to respond to that. It's not good. No. So I'm gonna. Yeah, it's been a brief. It's been a fleeting pleasure. It I has been. Yeah. Yeah. But oh. we we still hit uh, roughly the 30 minute threshold. Once I add yeah. in the uh, introduction, we yeah. nailed it down. Nailed it. And yeah. And what is pleasure but fleeting anyhow? So mm-hmm. by by break. definition, right? Yeah, I hope full circle, Jeff Sullivan. Go do some layups and make sure that you have the. There's a truck behind me, so I'm sorry for that noise. But go dribble the ball. And put it where it goes, and then return home fit, more fit than you were as you left. I'll do it all. All right, hey Jeff Sullivan, real pleasure. Stick around for one moment, but in the me- but for the sake of the listeners, I will say thank you, Jeff. No, thank you, thank you too. And I will also say that has been Jeff Sullivan of Fangraphs. I'm Carson Sestouli. This has been, <laughs> this has been Fangraphs Audio. <laughs> Shut up. Mm-hmm.